If you have your Bibles with you, we are uh, in our final, uh, our final sermon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Final sermon in the book of Ecclesiastes. We'd like you to open your Bible with you. Uh, Ecclesiastes, toward the middle of the Bible, it's in the Old Testament, almost smack dab right in the center. Uh, so we'd love for you to open that up. If you don't have a Bible, you should see a blue one in the pew back in front of you. We'd love for you to open that one up with us. Uh, if you're in that blue Bible, you're on page 559. 559. We'd love for you to open that Bible up. If you need a Bible, take that one home with you. Uh, church, that's a really cool ministry. I didn't realize how many Bibles we give away. We had to buy a new case, and we're already halfway through it. We got it last week, and we're already halfway through it. Had to fill up seven or eight or nine Bibles that we've gave, given away in the last couple weeks. So, awesome ministry. Uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today. So we'd love for you to open up the Bible uh, with us, Ecclesiastes. Okay, uh, so here's kind of the... Uh, Here's the game plan. Uh, this is our final sermon in Ecclesiastes, and then we will go back to Mark. We'll spend several, uh, several weeks, a few months back in Mark. We'll be in Mark chapter 6 next week, and we'll be going through Mark. Mark is going to be kind of our, our central passage for 2020. We should finish Mark up in, in December of 2020, and spaced out, we're going to do a sermon series on why church, why do we do the things that we do at church. We're going to take a look, Lord willing, at the Ten Commandments, and we're going to have those smaller series all around the book of Mark. So join us next week. We'll dive back into Mark. Um, so finishing up the book of Ecclesiastes, this sermon is all about old people. And so I almost didn't preach it because I know we don't have any of those here. So I, I thought we might not need to preach it. Um, my lovely daughters are really good at finding every gray hair in my beard. And they, they think it's the funniest thing in the world. And it, it crushes Daddy's heart just a little bit. You know that feeling? Oh, there's another one, Daddy. <laughs> there's another one. Old age is catching up with me. I'm not as young as I used to be. I'm not as young as I used to be. So here's, here's the message as we talk about getting old and what that means and what that looks like at the end of Ecclesiastes. Here's the message, the, the, the theme of this sermon um, is how to remember God before it's too late. How to remember God before it's too late. So would you read with me, if you will, please? Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's big number 12. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's only, it's only uh, what, 14, 14 verses. We're going to read this together, and then we're going to talk about it. Now, he's going to start out with some poetry. See if you can pick out, see if you can pick out where the old age comes in in, in these, these poetic words that he writes. So, big number 12 goes like this. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men are bent, and the grinders, they used to make food, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those who look through the windows are dimmed, 
and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid of what is high and terrors are on the way, on the path. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. It's used to prod animals. Goads. And like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. What are the collected sayings? The Bible. The collected sayings. They are given by one capital S shepherd. My son... Beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. That's Ecclesiastes. Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. That's, that's what he's urging us to do. Remember your God. Remember who made you. Does this mean we can totally forget that there's a God? No, that's not really what he's saying here. To remember the Lord, I think this is a good way to do it. To remember the Lord, uh, King Solomon begs us, remember your God, remember your Creator. To remember the Lord is to live with God as your greatest concern. And in this passage, he starts out, he's, he's begging young people to remember your Creator. Now, should we all remember our Creator? Absolutely. But young people, remember God in the days of your youth. Why, does, why is he so focused on young people? Because young people think we're invincible, don't we? We're invincible. Remember the Lord. Live with God as your greatest concern. Live with God. Remember, to remember your Creator means live with God as your first and greatest thought. 
To remember your creator is to live with God's gravity, pulling our every thought towards himself. Or on the flip side. Don't live life as if you've forgotten him. Don't live life like you've forgotten him. I'm afraid many professing Christians are practical atheists. Have you ever heard this phrase? Practical atheists. Meaning, they proclaim Jesus. They say, I'm a Christian. They say, I'm a member of Trinity Baptist Church. They proclaim this with their mouth. But they live life like He doesn't exist. Are you with me? That's a real problem. That's a real issue. Remember your Creator. A.W. Tozer says it this way, and it's just spectacular. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Are you with me? What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Remember your Creator. Remember your Creator. But I've never known Him. I'm an atheist. I've never known Him. I've never known anything about Him. Don't atheists, can atheists really remember someone they never knew? Well, here's something very interesting. The Bible says that all of us know God exists. Think about that. I don't know there was a Creator is not an excuse. We all have known God. We've all known that God is there. And because of our sinful minds, we have become calloused to Him. And we are all guilty of forgetting God. This is what Romans says. It's a tough one. Take a deep breath. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Wrath of God is being poured out. All ungodliness. Have you ever lived in an ungodly way? Then he says this, since what may be known about God is plain to them, Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, They neither glorified Him nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Their thinking about God has become futile. Their hearts have become calloused towards Him. They have walked away from Him for so long that it might feel like they've never known, but they have. Their hearts were darkened. What is that? They forgot God. 
And can any of us really stand here and think that we remember God every second of our lives as we should? No. So this is a warning to all of us. Christian, non-Christian, our minds and our hearts are prone to be calloused towards our Creator. And so Solomon begs us and begs the youth among us especially, remember Him now. Before it's too late. Remember Him. That's why we gather together and sit under the preaching of God's Word. And that's why we try our very best to make Jesus the point. Why do you do that? Why do you preach about Jesus all the time? Why can't we just go into the Old Testament and forget Jesus for a while? Why can't we do that? Because we must be reminded every Sunday that Jesus came and died for us, for our sins, so that we are wiped clean and we can stand before God and we are forgiven and we are in His hand. We must be reminded of this because we are so prone to live like it doesn't happen, like it didn't happen. We're so prone to live like those things are not true. So we must be reminded together. And Solomon says, here's a great way to be reminded of the necessity to remember God. To live like He is real because He is. Here's a great way to remember. Allow the ravages of aging compel you to get right with God now before it's too late. Young men and women, observe the believers around you getting older. Observe the difficulties that come with age. Observe the older believers among us as they head towards the grave. Observe this. Use their sickness, use their age, use their suffering, use their funerals to remind you, young believer, young non-believer, use these to remind you where you are heading. Church, how important is it for us to be intergenerational? How important is it to have older believers and younger believers in a church family? Does this bring difficulties? Are there different tastes between the young people and the old people? Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. And we are called to love one another and watch one another. And older saints, you are called to express the Gospel in how you age. And young people, we are called to listen and watch and observe. Older men and women, observe what is happening to you. Let your old age and the difficulties of your old age propel you towards God. Let your old age and what is coming compel you to be right with God now. Older believers, observe what's happening to you and praise God 
that Jesus Christ has promised you a perfect resurrection body. No more suffering. No more getting old. No more white hairs on my beard. Praise God for that. Older believers, older, scratch that, older men and women, period, believers and non-believers, is the old saying true that you can't teach an, an old dog new tricks? Is that true? May that not be true for you. That you may that not be true that you are too old to remember your Creator. Here's just an observation. Repentance and new belief is rarer the older someone gets. That's just an observation. Remember your Creator now. The best time to follow Jesus is when? When you're young. When you're young. That's why we send our kids off to children's church to preach the gospel to them in a way that we know that they can understand. That's why we want to love our children. That's why it's okay when we see kids running around during biscuits and gravy. Yeah, we tell them to stop running, but we want them to have a good time here, don't we? We want them to love the church. The best time to come to God is when you are young. What's the second best time? Now. Now. Remember God as the cosmic storm clouds of death are still on the horizon. He says, remember God before, this is verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Stars go dark? Sun go dark? Light cease, moon go dark. What is that a picture of? As a picture of an undoing of creation. As God created the moon, the stars, the sun, and light. This is an undoing of creation. It's a picture of death. As we head towards the grave and we see that great storm cloud coming and we see all these lights going dim, remember your Creator when that storm is on the horizon. Aging was given to us by God as a daily reminder that you will soon meet Him. Are you with me? Storm clouds are coming. The light is going out of life. He says, the keepers of the house tremble. What is that? Figure it out? The keepers of the house tremble. It's your arms and your legs. The strong men are bent. What is that? Can't stand up straight my back. The grinders, those who grind the plants into food, cease because they are few. What is that? It's your teeth. Let losing your teeth be a reminder to get right with God. The windows are dimmed. What is that? Your eyes. Your windows are dimming. 
The doors to the streets are closed. Listen, Israel's hot. You're going to keep your door open all the time. You've got a street. You've got people coming and going outside. You're going to keep your door open as it's cool air can come in. Why would you close the door? I want to have a conversation with you. I can't hear. There's busyness outside the street. We're going to close the door. It's the only time I'm going to close the door. Your doors are shut to the street. You can't hear. The irony is, losing your hearing, can't hear the sound of grinding anymore, can't hear the beautiful singing of the daughters any longer. And the irony is, you can't hear these things, but when you try to sleep, can you get good sleep? You'd think not being able to hear would mean you could cut out everything and get sound sleep. The irony is no. At that point, the sound of a bird will wake you up. The slightest disturbance during sleep will wake me up. Let that be a reminder to get right with God. The almond tree blossoms. Beautiful white blossoms of the almond tree. The grasshopper drags itself. Movement is difficult. The path is scary. As we walk down the street and all the bumps in the path that's difficult to navigate in the feebleness of old age desire fails passion is hard to come by so young people as you observe this in our older saints as you observe it in your family let this compel you to get right with God because this is your future Let old age remind us of the coming consequence of sin. Death. Let our coming death compel us to become right with God through Jesus. He says, remember the Lord before the silver strand is snapped and the golden bowl is broken. Probably a picture of of a candle-holding bowl displayed with silver cords. Silver and gold, precious. Life is precious. The light of life. Before your cords snap, and before the bowl which holds the light of your life is broken and shattered, remember your Creator. Water is a symbol of life. Water is a symbol of life. Get right with God before your well falls apart. Before the pitcher that you use to bring water up from the well, before that shatters. Before the wheel of the pulley breaks apart and gone and you can have no more water of life. Get right with God. Remember the Creator before your dust returns to the dust of the ground, he says. And before your spirit, given from God, goes back to God, remember the Lord. Young people, every day you march on towards your own death. Old people, every day you march on towards your own death. 
all people. Let these be a reminder to you that we must get right with God now. It's urgent. Remember the Creator now. It's urgent. And in this la- as a last plea, as the dark clouds of death approach, Solomon makes one last call to his famous phrase, Vanity of vanities, everything is vanity. Smoke of smokes, everything is smoke. Empty, empty, everything under the sun is empty. And there's nothing in your life that will change the progress of aging towards the grave. Nothing will. And so, after an entire book of stressing that nothing in life will satisfy you, that nothing under the sun will satisfy you, that everything will leave you wanting more, that everything is smoke, after a a whole book of the Bible telling us this, how does Ecclesiastes end? I'm very thankful that it doesn't end with verse 8. Right? Rather, it gives us hope. It ends hopeful. It ends showing us how we can remember the God of our Creator. It ends telling us that we have hope even in old age. That we can have hope even when death is approaching. With the storm approaching, running out of time. How can we make ourselves right with God? How do we remember Him? How has God reminded us of Himself? What has He given us? Our emotions? Do you follow your feelings back to God? I can't trust my feelings. Can you trust your feelings? Can you trust your feelings? No! Emotion and feelings cannot bring us back to God. Cannot help us to remember God. Our intellect, maybe I can go off in a cave somewhere and think really, really hard and come up with these big concepts and think about God. And Can that bring me, can that help me remember God? No. No. There's nothing in humanity that is smart enough or wise enough to get us back to God. How about self-righteousness? What if I'm a good enough person? What if I'm a nice guy? Will that help me remember God? No. If you've been with us the past several weeks, you know Solomon says righteousness is smoke. You're not righteous enough to make yourself right before God. God has given us a tool to remember Him. Solomon calls it the collective writings. We call it the Bible. We call it Holy Scripture. The Word of God was given to us so that we may remember our Creator. Read verse, read verse 10 and 11 with me again, please. 
The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and the nail, like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by what? One capital S shepherd. We have the words of the shepherd of our existence. We have words from the Creator reminding us who He is and what He requires of us. What a gift! Do we realize without God's Word, we would not remember Him? Are you with me? Without God's Word, we would not know Jesus. He has given us His words, the collective writings. We talk about it often. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10.17 Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil so that prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you which can save you. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is breathed out by God. Nothing else we have is like that. Nothing else we have is like that. The Word of God transforms us so we can live with God as our greatest concern. The Word of God compels you to live with God as your first and greatest thought. The Word of God captures our soul. It reveals a God who has a gravitational pull on our thoughts and our heart. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible is the only sure way to hear from God. Are you with me? When we read the Word of God, it refuses to allow a single moment where we forget about our Creator. The Word of God prepares us for the storm. It goads us, He says. It goads us. It pokes us. What does that mean? That means I want to go this way so often and the Word of God is going to poke me to get me back on track. Are you with me? So, if you like everything you hear from me every single Sunday, I am not doing my job. Are you with me? Because the Word of God should poke us. This is urgent. Poke. Get right with God now. Poke. Jesus is the Savior and Lord of all things. Poke. The storm is coming. Poke. Find Jesus. Poke. It also, he says, fixes us in place. It is like nails, boom, not moving, boom, not moving. So much of our culture is about being about relative truth. What's true for you might be not true for me. And if you tell me that, I'm going to steal your wallet. I'm going to say, you thought that was wrong? Well, that's true for you. It's not true for me, right? I wouldn't do that, but you know what I mean. But what we have in the Word of God is a fixed 
truth. This is from the creator of the universe. You can build your life around these nails that have been staked out in the universe. This is true. Build your life on it. It allows us to build our life on the Lord, thinking about the Lord, being focused on the Lord, remembering our God. It allows us to build our life like that so we are not swept away by false doctrine, false belief, by our culture. We are not swept away by destructive sins. Stop drifting from God. Nail. Don't follow those lies. Nail. God loves you. Nail. You are important to Him. Nail. Fight your sinfulness. Nail. These are nails. What a gift. The Word, He says, is our delight and our truth. Our delight and our truth. What a delight that God didn't leave us. What a delight that God has revealed Himself to us. What a delight that we don't have to guess about how we should live our lives or what is in and what is out. We don't have to guess about that. He has given us His Word. What a delight that is. What a delight that it is that He is a God who who calls Himself a giver of life. What a delight that we see a God who is merciful. What a delight that we see a God who is gracious. What a delight that we see a God who is just. What a delight that we see a God who has us in his hands and is in control. What a delight. What a delight. What a good thing. And when we don't delight in the word, where is the problem? It's right here. Will we always delight in the word? No. Just like I wouldn't, be de- I wouldn't delight in being goaded somewhere, right? Being poked. I don't delight in that. But the word of God is poking me into a direction where I will grow in delight of the Lord. He says, this word that will help us remember God is sufficient, authoritative, and perfect. He says, these collective writings, he said, don't go beyond these. Don't go beyond these. This is the foundation for your life. This is what God has revealed to you. Don't go beyond these. Of books about how we should live our life, there is no ending. That was true thousands of years ago for Solomon. Is that true for us now? Go to Barnes & Noble. All those self-help books, right? There's a million of them. This is how you're going to fix your life. This is how you can find satisfaction. This is how X, Y, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff. Is that true? No, this is... Sufficient. It is sufficient. The Word of God is sufficient, meaning it is all we need to be equipped for a life of faith and obedience. Are you with me? This is all we need to be equipped for a life of faith and obedience. What a gift. What a gift. It is sufficient. Don't go beyond these. This means God's Word is closed. It means God's Word is closed. You hear someone say, I've got a new Word from God. We don't need anything else. 
what we have is sufficient for faith and godliness. We don't need anything else. God's Word is closed. He is not speaking this way again. And most important thing of all, the collective writings, I love this, are written by what? Why by who? One shepherd. One shepherd. These writings are written by the One we need to remember. And He writes them so we will not forget Him. Because He is our shepherd. What do shepherds do? Shepherds dedicate their entire life for the good of the sheep. Isn't that amazing? God has made it His job, Christian, to bring you as much good as is possible. That's what being a shepherd for you means. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. He's your shepherd. Shepherds protect. Shepherds feed. Shepherds provide. Shepherds care for the sheep. Shepherds want happy little sheep. Shepherds want beautiful sheep. God has made it His job to shepherd you. What a gift. So, in a big way of shepherding you, He has given you this. So that you will remember Him. So that you will remember Him. So when... We remember our Creator through the Word of God when He is our best and first thought. Can we ever do that perfectly? No. But when we strive to make Him our best and our first thought, when we spend years with this book, when we spend years under the preaching and teaching of this book, when we allow the church to speak truth into us, when we go down that path of Christian maturity, what will happen in our heart? What is Solomon's last call for us to do? Verse 13 and 14. Finish this with me if you will. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. When we remember the Creator through the Word of God, when He is our first and our best thought, three things are going to happen in our heart. First thing, we will fear Him. We don't fear Him like He's the boogeyman, like He's going to do something bad. When we read the Word of God, we see a God who should be revered. When we read the Bible, we are called to approach Him with fear and trembling. When we read the Word of God, we see a God more powerful than 10 trillion atomic bombs. Those of you who grew up in the Cold War, remember the Cold War? Were you scared of atomic bombs, nuclear bombs? What did you have to do in school? You have to do drills. What would you do? Where would you go? they put you under your desk, wouldn't they? Like that's going to help, right? If we are afraid of one atomic bomb... How fearful, how, how much respect should we have for a God who's more powerful than 10 trillion atomic bombs? Are you with me? He is so holy, He consumes and destroys any sin that enters into His presence. 
The high priest, as they entered into God's presence, would have to wear a rope with bells on their shirts. Why? They could only go in once a year and it had to be the high priest. He had to make sacrifices for his sin. And if he came in with unrepentant sin into the presence of God, God would kill him. And so if they didn't hear the bells, what would they have to do? Fish him back in. If that's true of God's presence, have you any sin? We see in God's Word a God who has mercy upon who He has mercy. He has no obligation to show me mercy. And yet He does. Should I be cavalier with that? Should I not live? Well, He's shown me mercy in Jesus. I shouldn't worry about it. No, He is a God to be feared. His mercy. He's not obligated to show me mercy. He does it. I should not be cavalier with the mercy that I, we have received he is goodness and glory. His glory is brighter than the sun. If you need sunscreen going to the beach to protect you from the glory of the sun 92 million miles away, how will a sinner like me fare 10 feet from the glory of God? He created the stars with one word. He has crumbled nations without breaking a sweat. Holy men and women who see His servants, the angels, in the Word of God. These holy men and women who see angels are terrified to just see His servants. What do angels always say? Don't be afraid. Why? Because even seeing His servants should bring fear to us. Hebrews 12.29 says this, Our God is a consuming fire. When we read, we will fear. When we read, we will obey Him. It says, fear, fear the Lord. Obey His commandments. Ten commandments. We've got things like love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. When we read the Word, when He becomes our thought, we will fear Him, we will obey Him, and we will remember the weight of our responsibility to Him. Anybody get a little wa wavery and shaky on 14? For God will bring every deed into judgment. Anybody else get a little shaky when you read that? When we read the Word of God, we will remember the weight of our responsibility to Him. Romans 2 says, For He will repay according to each one's deeds. Matthew 12.36 says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give, ev give an account for every careless word they speak or type on Facebook. That's, I, I added that last part. Okay, Give an account for every careless word? So, remembering God rightly through the Word of God will convince us the storm is coming and it will also bring us to fear God, to know His commandments, and to know that we will stand in judgment before Him. How should that make us feel? Reading the Word of God rightly will compel us. I need a Savior! I see a God that, that I fear for His holiness. And I see His commandments that I fall short on. And I see that I will stand before Him in judgment. I need a Savior. 
And in God's mercy and grace, He sent Jesus Christ to willingly become that Savior. To fear God is to see His all-consuming holiness, His never-sleeping judgment, His justice, and His true and good wrath against sinfulness. Fear God. To know His commandments, those ten commandments, Love the Lord with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if I, all, if I think I can make it past that, if I'm lying to myself thinking I am good enough under those conditions, Jesus shows up in Matthew 5 and says this, you've heard it said in the Ten Commandments, don't commit adultery. Done, check, I'm good, move on Jesus. And he says this, but I tell you, if you've ever lusted after anyone, you are an adulterer before God. He says, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. But I tell you, if anyone hates his friend, he is a murderer before God. So who are you listening to right now? An adulterous murderer. I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Fear God, know His commandments, no judgment is coming. And we read again from Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. I'm an adulterous sinner. The wrath of God is against me. Romans 3.23 and 6.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. I have sinned against God, and that storm is coming. And he says, every deed, secret or open, will be judged by the God that we fear, and be judged by the God of whom I have stored up against myself wrath for my sinfulness. I need a Savior. And in God's mercy and grace, He provides Jesus to address our fear of God, to address our obedience, and to address the judgment that we will face. God is an all-consuming holy fire that we must tremble at the thought of, but our Savior Jesus is so great and His salvation so total that we can now confidently approach the God whom we rightly fear. That's how great Jesus is. He says this, God says this in Hebrews 10, Therefore, brothers, since we now have confidence to enter into God's presence by the blood of Jesus, by that new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is through faith. And since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of our faith, let us hold fast to this because He who promised is faithful. Jesus is so great that we can approach the God we rightly fear with confidence. God is an all-consuming fire and His great commandments, they are good, but impossible for me to live by in my sinfulness. But our Savior Jesus is so great, He has provided another way for me to be right with God. He's provided with another way for me to be righteous before God. 
For those in Christ Jesus, we find righteousness not through our obedience to the laws, but through our faith in Jesus. Jesus is so great that He brings a new righteousness. Galatians 3, 10 and 11, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. But now it is evident that no one is declared righteous before God by the law. For now the righteous shall live by faith. Jesus is so great, we now have a way to be right before God that doesn't include obedience to the law. It includes trusting in Jesus and His obedience to God. Finally, Jesus addresses our fear, our obedience, and He addresses our judgment. We will stand before God and give an account for every word and deed. But our Savior is so great. In our time of judgment, we will be declared perfectly righteous through our faith in Christ. For those in Christ, when you are judged, you will not find condemnation. You will find that through Christ, you are perfectly righteous. Romans 8 says it this way, there is therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you, Christian. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But God shows His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been declared righteous by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Romans 5. The storm is coming. Let every day you grow older remind you that the storm is coming. Let the Word of God remind you to fear God, to obey His commandments, and that you will stand before Him in judgment. And let those three things propel you to find a Savior who is Jesus Christ. Our Savior is great. Trust Jesus to calm the storm.